welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and joining me as always is AFL legend Warren Treadray. Treaders, how are you mate? Hello, get on the Melbourne Cup mate, we need to make some money. Yeah, we, we do need to do that, and um, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind the race prize, if I'm honest. Eight million bucks. Yeah, geez, it'd be handy, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, recording on a Tuesday morning before the Melbourne Cup uh, <laughs> is run, but you know, the amount of money that this spins, and eight million bucks, it's well known that jockeys can get anywhere between 10 and 20% of the purse. Mm. Um, so that's a nice old... Uh, Nice old fee for them, um, provided you're uh, you're the winning jockey. But um, you know, various brands have actually been distancing themselves from the races. You know, social media stuff, animal rights stuff, cost of living issues, gambling, all that sort of stuff. So it does face its challenges, uh, horse racing, right now. But this is the biggest day, and um, even Meyer, who has sponsored the fashions of the field for nearly four decades, you know, th- th- there's some challenges that they're facing that they probably haven't uh, expected before. Um, we can get into the TV broadcast rights. Channel 10, they're in their last year uh, this time. But, geez, they'd have a tough tough effort of it, haven't they? Um, took over in COVID, went through some horrible years there. Um, and even crowds expected to be down at Flemington today with less than 85,000 people expected to get to the race. So the challenges are certainly there. Mm. Well, they're trying to sort of help that by putting in a music festival, um, letting punters wear shorts, which is uh, different. So, yeah. People are still going to get messy. That's always the best part of the Melbourne Cup, seeing just the absolute destruction afterwards. People strolling in their best outfit and crawl on the way out. It's <laughs> quite literally, that's what happens. Trying oh. to jump in the water baths, you know, the fountains there for a wash, and oh, there's, you see the best and worst of humanity inside about 12 hours. So, But we get back onto the broadcast rights. The Nine Network is expected to take over. Um this was after seven, um, the seven network pulled out of the race uh, in early September. Um, yeah, seven's believed to withdrawn with anger uh, as nine as sort of the preferred bidder or broadcaster for the Victorian Racing Club. And obviously, there's some complexities around it. Sydney have got races too, which seven's got. Seven's got the Spring Carnival, but don't have the Melbourne Cup. That's with Channel Ten, as we mentioned for the last year this year, and that has been really poor business from them. They paid a fortune. It hasn't. Um, reflected in the ratings and the other challenge too is um, as we touched on before um, interest in in the great races down and you know we've seen a number of sports around the world AFL soccer all that all locked out in COVID have now boomed out the back of COVID well racing's yet to do that um, and really it's probably one of those situations where it is um, one of those sports you get a better view um, from sitting in your lounge chair yeah 100% and you mentioned soccer as well and Treaders there's some sort of breaking news this morning uh, Sydney FC part of ways of Steve Corica, the longest serving head coach, um, in totally won 13 trophies at the Sky Blues as a player and a coach. Um, obviously, they've had a terrible start of the season, but a bit stiff, or you reckon right call sort of from Sydney to sort of make that sort of decision? 
Well, there's some soccer pundits around who are far greater, um, better understanding of this than I. You know, I'm a I'm a soccer fan, follow United, United, follow Arsenal, but really follow from the stands, so to speak. So, oh, I think the challenge for them is they're a big market team. They're the biggest team in the game up there with Melbourne Victory. They haven't performed early in this season, and I know it's only very early in the season. But the last two years have been poor. Yeah, they won a championship in 2018, so it is a ruthless. Sorry, 2019, 2020 season. So it is a ruthless call. But the reality is. In total, um, he's been a wonderful contributor, and I think it's a parting of the ways. I think with the contract, he may actually still be contracted uh, for this year or maybe even next. So there could be a payout, a financial element of that as well. But you know, this is the the challenge when you've got uh, long-serving superstar players mm. uh, and captains and championship captain go into coaching. Then there's inadvertently going to be a parting of the ways at some stage. We've seen it more recently uh, in the AFL times with Nathan Buckley leaving Collingwood. He left. Two years later, they go and win a premiership. He, he laid a great foundation, got all, awfully close in 2018 against West Coast, but didn't quite get over the line. And this is the situation when you exit your legends, you want to do it with class. We've been many times clubs haven't done that well. My old club, Port Adelaide, sacked Matty Primus, a former captain, you know, brutally. Um, you know, was it the right call or not? Well, at the time, the club was borderline broke, and then all of a sudden, the AFL come in and uh, refinance the club and help build it back up to being one of the you know powerhouse clubs of, of today in terms of their finances and performance of you know not winning a flag but going close. But this is a, a challenge that Sydney FC has clearly been delicate with this, and I think Corica was being disappointed um, when you're in you know would you say an 18 or 19 year servant. Um, mm. you know, I think he goes out the right way, albeit very early in the season, and it is. Let's face it, it's a ruthless call. Yeah, and you meant speaking AFL. Um, North Melbourne's been obviously in the discussions with their pick one as we come into the draft in the next couple of weeks. What do you think they should do? Should they trade their army of picks to get that generational talent that is Harley Reid, have him as the poster boy, or should they try and rebuild it with more kids? Well, it all depends on what the offer is. Everyone keeps speculating what these offers are. Now, if I'm North Melbourne, right, and the team comes to me and goes. Sorry, if I, I'm sorry, you're North Melbourne. You sit there and go, well, what do we do? Well, West Coast, what are we going to offer them? Well, if we can give them, I don't know, pick two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, roundabout. Well, then you do the deal. Um, but the reality is, right now, it, it doesn't sit that great. Where you go, well, what is the deal? Why rush? Everyone's desperate for it. You still got what two weeks to the draft. So you're in a situation then you can just sit back. You know, North Melbourne's got two and three. Do they really want that? Um, mm. To give up two, three, they've got 15, 17, 18. Well, hey, if West Coast are going to take five picks for one, yeah, do it. But the price has got to be right. And, and really, is he good? Yes, he is very good. But who's to say number one picks work out wonderfully? Well, the stats don't reflect it. Mm. You know, there's numerous players who haven't gone number one have turned out being the, the better players in the whole lot. Um, but then you look at that 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 amazing draft where Chris Judd, I think, was picked at three, Luke Ball two, and Luke Hodge one. Well, which order would you take it? Is Judd, Judd better than Hodge? Mm. Probably just. Hodge wins four flags, two Norm Smith medals. Like, who knows? I think you back your process and... You know, for, for West Coast, who's rebuilding a footy club, their next pick is 23, 37, 58, 81. Well, is one pick, would you split it for North going to give up two and three? Well, you might do it because then you get the second best player and the third best player in Australia and you go without. But I also think from the fans' perspective, and you can't get seduced by the fans too much, but 
the reality of the situation is they want footy clubs sell hope every year. Yeah. The hope that we're going to be better, we're going to be a premiership team. And and if they think the deal is worthwhile, go ahead and do the deal. But for North Melbourne, I think they're sitting pretty. They've got some good players in. They've got some players that pitch from other clubs who were first round picks only a few years ago. And they currently sit with um, you know, all those draft picks. Uh, they're in a situation where they've got what that four or five picks inside the first eighteen. It's a pretty good setup. Not bad at all. And last night you spoke about um Connor Rosie and Port Adelaide, um, who saw all three of their club captains retire this year, which is kind of crazy, but looks like Connor Rosie extension and potentially captain. Yeah, well, th- there's a whisper going around that uh, a little birdie was suggested that he's set to sign uh, the richest deal in Port Adelaide's footy club history. Well, that's a big statement, but it's a reality because the salary cap just went up by t- 10% uh, in the last few weeks of this season. And he already has a year left to go on his contract with Zach Butters. They're both out at the end of the 2024 season. Port are moving very quickly on Tronix, locked down those two players. Butters, Butters won the Best and Fairest Coaches Award All-Australian this year. Rosie, All-Australian the last two years, won the Best and Fairest last season and runner-up this season. Probably two of the best young players in the game. Uh, yeah, the, the the word around is that he'll extend long-term. I suspect it'll be five years plus the one he's got or even potentially more. Not sure exactly the year of term, but it is a long-term deal. And let's face it, it's going to have to be well over a million dollars a season because the salary cap went up by 10%, as I said, months um, moments ago, late in the season this year, and it goes up again. So I'd suspect that you'd probably looking potentially towards 1.2 a year over a period of time with increases that sit there. And are those two, is that market rate? Well, it's probably a little bit under market rate, but they're also understanding too that the more money that a Rosie and a Butters take in long-term deals, the less there is for others. So mm-hmm. if you're going out for a four, five, six, seven-year-old, seven-year term, you're going to have to take less because you've got your money guaranteed. So I suspect that if you, you know, Port's contracted them in the vicinity of one to 1.2 a year, then that's good business because I'm not a huge fan of massive long-term deals. I saw the Aaron Norton eight-year extension to make it a nine-year deal. I think that's ridiculous. But if anything, Rosie and Butters are better players than he is. They're both All-Australians. Um, Connor's a dual All-Australian. They're both one best and fairest. You know, Norton hasn't got anywhere near that for the Western Bulldogs. And they're 23 years of age. So I think it's a good year and uh, a good deal and uh, a good marriage in terms of Port Adelaide and them. And also, too, the word around is that whilst Ollie Wines was an acting, uh, was a joint captain with Tom Jonas many years ago, with Jonas retiring, it's word that Port would be leaning potentially uh, for Rosie to take over and Butters to be a vice-captain. That's certainly not done yet, but that's the the inkling and the word that's shifting around the footy club circles. Nice. Well, sounds like good news for Port fans. Um, in terms of uh, Saudi Arabia, though, um, IPL, they're eyeing that off now. They're buying it all. Yeah, well, when you control the oil in the world, you generally control everything, don't you? And that's mm. pretty much what the Saudi and the, the, those um, those countries in that area... Um, and this is a bit like in 2009, the IPL sort of franchises started. Um, you know, Forbes magazine pegged that the average franchise was worth about $67 million. Now, Jack, it's only worth $1.04 billion per franchise. Jeez. Talk about making some money. Yeah, um, cash. So you talk about the expectations around the next media deal, $6 billion was inked a few months ago, which is the valuation from Forbes. In June, 120 million unique viewers tuned in to watch the Chennai Super Kings beat the Gujarat 
Titans in the final. I think that's how you say it, Kajarit Titans. So now the Saudis want a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and this is all part of that $700 billion public investment fund. When we think of Saudis in sport, what do we think of? Ronaldo going there in the soccer, Neymar going there in the soccer, um, taking over Live Golf, um, creating Live Golf. So you talk about all these different sponsorships, marketings, investments. Um, what they would bring to the IPL is upgrades to stadiums, marketing, sponsorship, investment in the game of cricket. And and more importantly, as we see, when you, know, you see an Indian broadcast of, of cricket, whether it's IPL or test matches, the stadiums need upgrades. Now, you look at everywhere else in the world, you look at England, the stadiums are great. You know, they've got that history. You look at, you know, coming to Australia, Test Cricket played in the, the Perth Optus Stadium, Adelaide Oval, newly renovated, uh, Perth newly renovated. Um, you know, even Blundstone Arena down in Tassie, if they get a test, that's been relatively newly uh, renovated. And they have a new stadium for the football down there as well. Uh, Aussie rules, if that goes ahead. You know, SCG's done some upgrades. The Gabba's about to do the upgrade with the Olympics. So I, I think this is the area that really needs to improve. And as they say, the IPL teams could benefit from the marketing and investment in the cricket and all that. But you know, Saudi Arabia has 312 sponsorships that have been declared. That's across 21 sports, Jack. 83 of the 312 are of that in soccer. Last year, IPL founder says the BCCI should demolish old stadium, build new state-of-the-art ones. Um, And if you look at the way it's rolled out, 2021, two new franchises and expansion teams, one sold for $750 the Titans, and $950 for the Super Giants. So... When you're looking back and you've originally invested, I remember seeing the numbers back then. Bollywood actors are buying them for 60-odd million and average, as we said before, 67 million. You go, wow, have a look at that. Well, now, though, on average, they're worth a billion dollars. It's just unbelievable. And to make things better, and this is what I love about what they've done. So effectively, all the teams own the league. You don't just own the franchise. You own your portion of the league. So... Now we're seeing those teams will go to 10 franchises, right? So those expansion fees will be paid over the 10-year period, but they'll be redistributed in equal amounts to the other donors. So I think this is brilliant. I think it would only help IPL. My only worry is whilst they extend it out, it takes up more and takes more away from test-playing cricket nations in the international cricket. So they're going to have to need some sort of rule Um with the International Cricket Association to pretty much somehow block the BBCI, who pretty much BCCI, who control cricket anyway, because it's going to be a, de- a delicate juggling act. You know, you mentioned India, they run cricket. Australia and England are probably the next two have a bit of a say. But when cricket brings that, uh, India brings that sort of money to cricket, it's pretty hard to stop. And sadly, I think the long more this encroaches, the more it encroaches on the fundamental um original game which is test cricket which is still the best in my eyes yeah and speaking of cricket spirit of cricket uh this is interesting one the sri lanka and bangladesh game um sri lanka's angelo matthews slammed the bangladesh captain shakib al hassan labeling disgraceful he was became the first player in 146 years of international cricket to be given a timed out he was judged to be out after failing to take strike within the two minute time limit and he had been unable to secure his helmet strap which delayed play and Captain just went that appeared from his wicket, which was then given. Yeah, this is worse than a man cat. At least a man cat, you stay out of you get a warning and you stay out of your your um mm. 
out of your crease and they'll give you out. But this is interesting, even to a stage that Aussie Usman Khawaja tweeted, Angelo Matthews made his crease, right, in time. Then his helmet stra- uh, strap broke. How's that time out? I'm all for timed out if he doesn't make the crease, but this is ridiculous. It's no different to a batsman getting the crease then taking three minutes to face up. Um, yeah, oh, you question a lot. We've seen it all, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, Alex Carey took the stumps um, in the test match. And oh, it was question the spirit of cricket. Stuart Broad had done the same thing many times before. We've seen it in the World Cup, England doing some stuff that's a little bit questionable in the spirit of cricket. For me, this is the spirit of cricket. <laughs> this yeah, is this... pretty poor. You can't justify this one. And he didn't call him back, which, yeah, in the in the fire of the World Cup furnace, yeah, emotions have clearly taken over and there'll be some regrettable instances that they'll sit back and go, geez, I could have handled that better. But one of your mates, I say your mates, you're in the uh, the video <laughs> space, the online space, the YouTube space. A popular cricket YouTube channel has been banned after how many years? 14 years? Yeah. So Rob Belinda too. Um, a lot of people on Twitter would definitely know about the old highlights that he had, like real old ones, like 90s, 2000s, some real good stuff. So just and some it, cricket highlights, just some yeah. highlights from yes, you know, from Ricky Ponting debut or the West Indies fast bowlers bowl on your head, all those sorts of stuff. All that sort of stuff. And an account called Mahaba Cricket India has been striking his content based on legitimate and exclusive digital rights in Bangladesh. So he's been copyright struck and YouTube takes all that stuff very seriously, which a lot yeah. of people get a bit pinged off at. Um, but some of these videos include like the ba- Bangladesh versus India in 2000, uh, Ricky yeah. Ponting's unbeaten 118 in 2006, Jason Gillespie's unbeaten run in 2005-06, like, I, I can't believe that it's actually finally come to an end and people are spewing. I think um, the uh, Maharaba Cricket India website actually got hacked as a result because people were protesting this. So that's how much people have loved this channel for so many years. But I think he's just gone around and started posting stuff on Twitter. So uh, good on Rob for doing that. Yeah, I saw Rob um, yesterday afternoon on, on Twitter mentioning that it's going to be time and right around. And then the first thing I thought, well, what is this? And I've checked and I've got, gee, I've watched this. I actually like this channel you know, mm. from time to time. But you just forget what it is and you go... Okay, the legalities or the business ethics here, he's been reposting other people's content. And we talk about broadcast rights, we just touched on it at the Melbourne Cup, we talk about cricket, we talk about AFL, NRL, the whole lot, you know, US sports, uh, particularly on this podcast. So he's in breach because you can't use someone else's product, really, mm. let's be honest. But if it's taken 14 years and no one else is using it, what's it going to take? Like, mm. do you need to say brought to you by... The seven network, the nine network, um, uh, Star Sports in India. Well, if they own it, then you've got a certain amount where you can actually broadcast for a news perspective. But this is a fine line. I get the business side of it, but as you say, this is not, um, this is not, you know, Sky Sports complaining in in the UK, is it? Mm. No, this is not the nine network or seven network or Foxtel in Australia can complaining about this use of vision. This is just in one account called what? Mahabi Cricket in India. Yep. Which has about 45 subscribers on uh, YouTube, which makes it even worse. So, yeah, a colossal Surely time. common sense will prevail here. Uh, you'd hope so, but oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too sure, which is a bit of a shame. But, yeah, so people are very angry about that on Twitter, understandably. Um, speaking of... Uh, Angry common people. sense. Or <laughs> common sense. I'll go with uh, angry people. Angry um, people. 
Liz Cambage um, set the sign with the Sichuan women's team, at least a $1 million deal. Yeah, well, this is the Aussie superstar basketballer. Um, had some incidents in an Aussie camp, I think, ahead of the Olympics. Mm. Racial Alleged racial taunts, uh, high elbow to someone's head. Yep. Doesn't mind DJing. Um, what do they say? Marches to the beat of her own drum, a bit different. Yep. Um, so, yeah, set to sign in China for a million a year. Not bad. Unbelievable. Man. And the max earnings for a WNBA player are 240000 per annum and obviously plus sponsorships on top of that. But that's, a you know, four, over four times the best player in the world. And, and she could be the best player in the world and dominant player in the world. And at times she's actually been a superstar. But, you know, when she's – no teams have um, taken her on. I think she had a mutual termination of a contract in the WNBA. Um mm but now set to cash in at China in the last few years of her playing career. Yeah, nah, that's what you got to do. Um, you know, the N- NBA, Wemby is on fire for Spurs. Um, absolutely taught Phoenix, which <laughs> it's always good. Maybe get him out for 36. Is he? They have experience torching Phoenix. So uh, Wemby had 38 points and 10 rebounds, um, which in a team against, against a team which featured uh, Devin Booker and KD. So, yeah, and I don't think there's much value in him Rookie of the year is their trainers. No, what a dollar twenty-eight to win on sports bet. So yeah. to win rookie of the year, a dollar twenty-eight. Um, not bad. The second favourites at six bucks. Yep, Chet Holmgren of uh, OKC, Josh Giddy's teammate. So they might, yeah, you wait. The old sports bet, the betting companies are probably likely to go cash out and pay it now. Yeah, no, they do like doing that. Get the free; early. they don't mind the free PR when they know they're up against it. But she's it could shorten from a dollar twenty-eight, surely, couldn't it? You'd think so. Normally, they, they normally they don't only want to pay out when it gets to a stage where there's there's no value in betting anymore. But talk about uh, mm. filthy people! Premier League Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta has obliterated the VAR system and the officiating in the Premier League after a mm. goal was allowed in their loss to Newcastle. First, the ball appeared out of bounds. For fears of conflict or interest, it's worth both talking about that both Jack Hudson and myself are both Arsenal supporters. Um, you can make a choice as to who's got more blinkers on, but the reality is, was it out of bounds? Geez, it looked like it. But I did see something Gary Neville posted on social media in the last few hours. Mm. Where the camera is located will show you, because of the round ball, how it could be deemed look like it still is in play or not in play. Um, and he hadn't convinced there. But the probably the the bigger question was the Gabriel, it's a foul and a potential offside that came back in the Maggie's favour. Well, you know, for me, that sport, VAR was never going to be foolproof. No. Yeah, because if that wasn't flagged previously, right, mm. there's nothing we can do about it. Well, right now, it wasn't flagged previously. And the VAR system said it was in play. So it rolls on. And when's the first or last time a situation where a player's been fouled on the box and it hasn't called? Mm. There's got to still be this human element in sport. You know, we see it in the AFL. The VAR system is so much better in soccer, right, for goal line technology than any of the AFL's goal line technology we've seen. Mm. That's Ben Keys and the Adelaide Crows that cost them a final spot. Let's... Facts yep. wasn't good enough, but I think I always revert back to the fact that if they've done enough, which I don't think the AFL has done in their technology and their camera work, the VAR system is not foolproof, but it is very good. The technology 
is as good as like Snicko we see or Hotspot in the cricket season. So for me, they've done as much as they can. Um, it did hurt the other week where they didn't call back the goal and that was simply an, uh, uh, an officiating error. But this case, as an Arsenal fan, you cop it. And don't suck it up, Mikael. Get on with it. You've got to lead the way. There was a world-class blow-up from the Spaniard. But um, over at Man United, um, where on-field not going too great um, and off-field probably just as bad. The ownership saga continues. Um, Jim Ratcliffe preparing to increase his interest in Man United, though. $1.5 billion for a 25% share and management rights to the business and the club traders. Yeah, and this is the bit that I didn't pick up on, Jack. When I saw the $1.5 billion offer for 25%, you go, yeah, what's he got out of that? And then they go, well, he'll actually take over the, effectively the running of the club. So the Glaziers just sit there as majority rights, but investors. So this guy's will run the day-to-day. That would obviously depend on the spending and you know, players they bring in. But there's also some uh, information going around in the UK that uh, Ratcliffe could then tip in a further $300 million to upgrade an ageing Old Trafford Stadium. So when we talk about that, they're talking about technology. They're also talking about some of the places deemed to be unsafe and they haven't spent the money. Um, you know, Ineos, who is he's a major shareholder or owner of, um, I think he owns the Nice Soccer Club. He also owns shares uh, in Mercedes uh, F1 team. So he's got some deep pockets, this bloke. And if anything, um, he'll be able to bring Old Trafford up. And and I think if United fans hear that, yeah, they want Glaziers out. But if this is the next best option, they'll be taking this because eventually he'll come in and want to buy the whole lot and take over the whole lot um, when the valuation comes in. But he's certainly given the valuation, uh, I think they wanted, what, $6 million? Uh, or potentially even more for that price, but he's paid one what one and a half billion. Sorry, yep. six billion dollars should I say, not million. One and a <laughs> half billion for twenty five percent share, and you know and the challenge then will be what do the management rights look like? Because uh, the more he gets it right, the more the uh, remaining seventy five percent is going to cost him. Hundred percent, it will. And Old Trafford, like fans are chanting, Old Trafford's falling down, so it probably needs repairs uh, pronto. Um and. The last one of the Premier League, um, Tottenham Hotspur lost this morning. Ange Postecoglou suffered his first loss as uh, Spurs boss, down to nine men and losing 4-1 to Chelsea, led by a former Spurs boss, Mauricio Pochettino. So there is some good news at the end of the day, Treaders, that Spurs lost. Yeah, that that's true. <laughs> but I must admit, as a Gunners man, I'm starting to dislike Spurs less. Oh, God. Because Ange is involved. Oh, I don't oh, know what no. it is. It, it doesn't sit oh. right, but... I did see the post-match pressure from Ange and they questioned him because he had two players sent off. Mm. All right, so he's down to nine men. And they end up leading, losing 4-1, as you say, to Chelsea. But at one stage, it was 1-1, probably could have led. Could mm. have been 2-1 up. Um, but they asked him about his tactics. Normally, you go and park the bus and push everyone in defence. He said, no, I want players to play out. Effectively, he said, no, mate, we try to win no matter what. So <laughs> it'll be interesting how that, that attitude. He said, we'll, we'll, we'll never play that way under Demond. And, and he's, yeah, it, it was classic. It was absolutely classic. It was almost like, nah, I'm here to win no matter what. So he knew well, he could lose and go from there. Don't, there's no such thing as playing impressive. for a draw mm. under uh, under Ange. It was quite impressive. And the Spurs fans did back him by still charming even after a 4-1 loss. So not too bad. Now, look at Castrid. It's the Super Bowl and CBS dominating. They've sold out the entirety of the Super Bowl ads and it's a bit of coin. $42,500. That was in 1967 though for 30 seconds. It's now $7 bucks For a 30-second ad, it was forty two grand In the 60s, yeah. <laughs> so now it's $7 bucks for 30 seconds. 
So even in four years, if your data here is correct, which I'm not going to question you, but 2020, it was 5.6 million for 30 seconds. Yep. It's increased $1.4 million in four years mm-hmm. off the back of a pandemic for an ad. Yep. Bloody hell. Kind of wild how it's increased over time. Like looking at the charts, 1995 was 1.2 million. <laughs> 2010, 3 million. Like it's just, it's crazy. Geez, you'd want to get cut through with your ads, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd hope so. <laughs> you wouldn't be old Johnny's uh, car, car wash service, would you? Uh, <laughs> it would have to be one of the, the multi uh, international mobs to uh, fund that. Look at Coca Cola and Wendy's or whoever funds all that. Um, General Motors, they're all the big sponsors. And we'll, you know, we, no doubt when the uh, Super Bowl gets closer, that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll delve into the uh, halftime entertainment and, and all the bits and pieces that go with it. But still on NFL and the Raiders, we talk about payouts in sport. Mm. Um, now, with the Raiders sacking Josh McDaniels last week, right, as, as head coach, and Josh Gruden resigning in 2021, they're paying a bit for the two men not to coach next year. When I say a bit, mm. it's been speculated between yep. 40 to 80 million US dollars, depending Jeez. on Gruden's settlement. You, you talk, yeah, and you talk about money management. It really doesn't matter when they're billionaires anymore, does it? No. <laughs> but still, that's a lot of money just to go on a payout yeah. for a bloke who's not coaching. Yeah, and he probably made the, the owner probably made a decision heading for the toilet. Oh, oh, yep, gone. Get rid of him. Had <laughs> enough. 80 million, by, forty between 40 and 80 million, depending on how the settlements work, to not coach your club next year. All right, that's uh, the sport business side of things. We've got a bit of a lighthearted one to finish on, Treaders. Um, Gilly, he's paid four four grand for a carton of beer, but he may never get to drink it. But there is a special meaning behind it. So it was a specially minted 4X gold carton of beer adorned with a photo of the late Andrew Simons. His mate. So Adam Gilchrist paid four grand, did he? Yeah, he paid four grand. So is he, a fan, is he a fan of the uh, 4X gold, is he? No, it's just because uh, just it's got, um, yeah, Andrew Simons' face on it. Um, bought by Jimmy Maher, so... Bulls Masters boss and one-time Aussie teammate of the duo. However, Gilly jumped in, purchased it, purchased it, but he said, you can have it, mate. So, pay the five grand and there you go, mate. There's a gift. So, not only is Gilly a great bloke, as we know, mm. he's a generous man. Yep. And he's got too much bloody cash. <laughs> <laughs> he's put, he spent four grand for his mate to have 24 tins yeah. of mid-strength. Yeah, 4X gold. You better keep it. You deserve it. So Jimmy, Jimmy Mars necking them right now. Yeah. Oh, probably. I would say probably in a case, just never to be open ever. Now, Jack, I got some spare uh, two thousand and four West End draft coming up. Nineteen and a half year tinny sitting in the shed. <laughs> oh God, you trying to sell them to me? Are you? <laughs> would you drink one? I don't think I'll because I feel like that'd be a week off work. This is not really the business of sport, but I used to do Brecky Radio on Triple M in Adelaide. Yep. Went to the river, had a shack at the river for a few years. Got home and some person who was looking for money's broken into my shed. Snapped fifty dollar um, those fans looking for copper. Oh, all right. Lit a candle instead of turning a light on, so it couldn't get robbed. So there's little candle wax everywhere. <laughs> Tried to snap um, some footy trophies, oh. and then realised they weren't copper; it was just plastic. From kids, right? <laughs> and then while he was doing it, 
cracked open my premiership slab from 2004, West End draft. At that stage, it was 12 years old and started necking him as he was going through machete. <laughs> then, doesn't finish there. Oh. The reason they caught him, right? Yep. He may have been under the weather and not through alcohol, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. He parked on the side of the road after hitting a curb, splitting his tyre, and that's how he got out looking to see what he could go through. They found him oh, asleep no. in his car <laughs> with my toolbox, with all the screwdrivers, some snap trophies, and a West End draft stubby. That uh, is can. amazing. Yeah. So as part of the promo, I rang the brewery and said, can I get one? Because they've ruined my carton. So I've still got the half-drunk carton ripped yeah. apart by my mate who decided to break into my shed. And then I've got another one. So if you need a tinny, I can spot you. 19-year-old, soon-to-be 20-year-old anniversary of Port Adelaide's premiership over Brisbane. Well, maybe next Imagine year. how that tastes. West End draft. <laughs> Used by date. 19 and a half years. <laughs> Maybe next year for the 20 years, we pop one open on the, on the, on the yeah. pot and see how we go. <laughs> I hope you got a strainer. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's uh, that's all from us for this week. Don't like, comment, subscribe, get around us, and um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go... Don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.